was the first registration when Quirinus was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch of the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. God, I just thank you. You know what, before I pray, uh, you know what's more important than me praying for myself is probably us all praying for ourselves because um, a bad message and a soft heart does way more than a great message to a hard heart or a distracted heart or whatever it is. So why don't, as you're willing, why don't we put our hands over our hearts and lift up our, our ears and our souls to the Lord. Lord, I want a soft heart this morning. And God, you know that sometimes I'm the most impacted by the message. And God, I pray for each one of us, and we pray together, would you give us great ears and a soft heart? Speak to us by your Spirit. Help us to honor that this is the Word of God. And Lord, I pray that you would impact us, and we ask that you would impact our heart. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone who agrees said, Amen. Amen. All right, so... As I had originally conceived this message, it was going to uh, join together Luke's account of Jesus' birth and Matthew's account, the shepherds and the magi together. But through one thing and another, um, sometimes my my points in messages balloon like 11 in um, some some bread, and all of a sudden it's busting out of the locker. Um, So I'm going to separate this. Um, So this time we're going to talk about Jesus being born in Luke, and then next time we get together and I'm speaking, which should be Christmas Eve, I want to talk about the Magi. and How I conceive this would be first looking at Luke and how Luke presents Jesus as this great gift to be received. Received, 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 received. And Matthew presents Jesus as this, um, this great child king to give towards, to give, to give, to give, to come and worship and give your best and give, and give, and give. And so these things are going to go together. They at least do in my mind. But let's start here with Luke. My whole point of this message today is, what are you waiting for? Receive, 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 receive the King of Kings. 
given to you. God went to a lot of trouble to give us Jesus. And to make sure that we understood we were meant to really, really receive him. Um, He had a whole bunch of things he wanted to draw together onto this this birthday, this real birthday. He had to bring together a place and a time and a bunch of people. And he went about it in a strange way, in a wonderful way, in a powerful way. And the first thing he did to bring together this moment where he was presenting his, his son incarnate, his eternal son made into a baby to the world as something to be received with joy, the first thing he did was monkey around with the brain of a man who thought he was the God of the world. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, Caesar Augustus was probably the greatest Caesar who ever lived. The Caesars were the rulers of Rome, and Rome at that time was the ruler of the known world and their empire. Um, Throughout the reign of Rome, went all the way from um, England through to India, which is quite an accomplishment when you're working about 1,800 years before a car was invented. That's quite an accomplishment. And they didn't quite, I think, they don't think they were... Yeah, they were. So they, so Caesar Augustus was the ruler over a huge and vast empire. And his predecessor had been Julius Caesar, who started this thing of having a one-man ruler over Rome. Rome was famous for years about having like a republic and many rulers. And Caesar came in and kind of conquered things. And then he was assassinated because people didn't like him. And then there was a bunch of people who kind of strove for supremacy over Rome. And this one general named Octavius uh, won and changed his name to Augustus. And he boasted that when he came to Rome, it was a city made of bricks. And when he left, it was a city made of marble. And he was super wealthy and powerful. And with Caesar Augustus, started the Caesar worships. So they started declaring that the Caesars of Rome were gods or demigods, and they deserved worship in temple. Pretty important stuff. Kind of like, you know, a ruler of some northern korean country or something like this 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 god on earth and for some reason you know they usually um had registrations come through either because they wanted to marshal people for war or do taxation okay so this is caesar augustus's great gift to the world around christmas time i want to make sure you're all getting taxed properly merry christmas he thought it was a good time to register the whole world with the, the effect being that a no-name pregnant girl had to go to Bethlehem to fulfill 600 years of prophecy. Now, this is the crazy thing. I didn't make this up. I'm borrowing this. But this is kind of providential overkill. Okay? Mary's husband was actually really good at listening to angels. I don't know if you remember that from Matthew's account. Whenever an angel came and talked to Joseph, he, he was quite obedient about it. You know, he, he married Mary, and then he took the family to Egypt. He was good at that. So if God actually just wanted to get 
Mary to Bethlehem, all he had to do was send an angel or a dream or even like a business opportunity or it could have been anything. But God was pulling out, he he was kind of just showing off a little bit in this thing. He's like, you know what? I want to get Mary to Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy that my son was going to be born there. And so I'm going to move the entire world around to accomplish this. I'm going to have a madman who thinks he's God. I'm going to pull the strings, pull the little puppet strings. I'm going to get him to move the entire world, have the entire world go back to their hometowns to be registered. And then I'm going to make sure that the baby comes during that time. And the point was, God was moving the entire world to get his son born in a town called Bethlehem. What does Bethlehem mean? Does anybody know? It means house of bread. Now, if God is capable of moving the entire population of the world around to accomplish his purposes of getting Mary to Bethlehem at the right time, do you think he could have arranged for her to have a room? Would that have been hard? Right? No. And I I was thinking about this, and I was just like, okay, so when Jesus went to go and hold the Passover in Jerusalem, and he's just showing up, you know, no reservation. He doesn't have a reservation code. He didn't call ahead. He just, let's, let's go into the city and have Passover. What does he tell his disciples? You'll see this guy carrying a jar of water. Just follow him. There's going to be room ready for us. And I always wonder, why is there a room ready for us? Is this like Passover's are us where they just have rooms ready for people? Uh, and I kind of doubt it. I kind of think somebody booked that room for a Passover event and then had to cancel it or something like that. So you've got some guy going, I've just spent all this money and all this food and all this wine and all this stuff. And then there's nobody coming and you go and fetch some water. I'm so mad. I don't want to see your face right now. And the guy comes back with the water. And by the way, there's a bunch of people who want to hold it. Okay, come on in, come on in, hold the bass over here, it's all going to work out. God could have so easily, so easily had a good room or a room or some room, but he didn't because he wanted his son born into the world to end up in a special place, and that place was a manger. Amen? And we know that the manger is important. Verse 7, she gave birth to a firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, like probably all babies got wrapped in, and laid him in a manger. And then the angels are talking to the shepherds. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, um, city of David, a savior who is the Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then when the shepherds decide that they're going to go and find out, it says they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. What's a manger? It's a food trough. It's it's just a French word for to eat. Manger. Right? He's lying in a to eat. So here is a baby lying in a to eat. In the, t- in the house of bread. Are you beginning to track with me a little bit on this? And when the angels show up in verse 11, sorry, um, in verse 10, they begin to talk to the shepherds. They say, fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day a Savior. Unto who? No, Mary. 
right? Unto Mary is born this baby. Because the shepherds didn't even know the baby was born. It's not like they have the stretch marks or the, the cold sweats or the whatever, you know. They, they didn't have a baby. Who's having the baby? Mary had the baby. But when the angel's announcing it to the shepherds, it's, it's to you. This gift is given. This great joy is given. There's a baby born to you, shepherd. You never knew it. Now, there's so much going on here. This is, this is, I'm, I'm actually a bit overwhelmed about all that God is pulling off in this one night. Here's this baby that is born for you, and he's lying in a to eat in the house of bread. He's come to be received. And even though it does feel a little bit weird, you can take my word for it, to talk about a baby lying in a to-eat. Uh, this baby did grow up and have a meal with his disciples and say, this cup is my blood, you have to drink it, and this bread is my flesh, and you have to eat it. And we had communion this morning. We, we ate Christ. By faith, through the symbolic act, we consumed him because he was given to be received. He was born for us. Amen? So this is my big point. He came to be received. He was the baby who would become the crucified Lord, who would give us communion, that we would regularly consume him as a sign of the covenant. He was placed in a to-eat in this house of bread because he was given for us to consume, to receive, to receive, to receive, to receive, to receive, to receive. What do you receive? This is the angel's message. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on, pe- on earth peace among those with whom he's well pleased. What is he meant to be received as? Well, so many things. There's a whole Bible's worth of things that we're meant to receive in Christ. But just in in this one proclamation, number one, he's a savior. He's a savior. He's a savior. Did this last week remind you that you need a savior? If it didn't, next week probably will. He's meant to be received as someone who rescues you. He's meant to be received as somebody who comes to the rescue who saves. Let me put it like this. What if your life never got better? but instead you just kept getting rescued and rescued and rescued from the mess? What if you never actually got so strong that you didn't have that problem anymore? But you got rescued and saved and saved and rescued and saved and rescued and rescued and saved. Why am I harping on this a little bit? Because our culture is, do these exercises, eat this food, pop these pills, 
wear these clothes and you'll be fine. You'll never need anyone ever again. And the angels of heaven say the great news, sorry, the good news of great joy is that you can spend the rest of your life being rescued. We're giving you a savior. We're giving you a rescuer who is Christ the Lord. A baby who grew up to be a man who died on a cross, the biggest failure of all time, so that he could be the Lord of the tomb and then ascend to heaven and be the Lord of the throne until his return. It's about Christ. Your life's about Christ. Christian, your life is about Christ. You've got all kinds of weaknesses which are great gifts from God so that you can have a Savior. You're going to go through all kinds of catastrophes which are great gifts from God so that you can receive again the Savior. It's about the Savior. It's about rejoicing in the Savior. Isn't that true? And through that Savior, we get to give glory to God because He brings peace on earth. Amen? Now, if you do remember the story from Matthew, it didn't really seem like He brought a lot of peace on earth right away. Because there's going to be a bunch of soldiers with swords running through Bethlehem with about two years of this event. So it's not that kind of peace. It's a peace of knowing that you're saved. It's a peace of knowing that you have the Savior. Maybe I shouldn't move on from this. In your estimation, is the average North American Christian excited about being saved? Or are they excited about something else? And it could even be a Christian thing. Is the average North American Christian fueled by the knowledge that they're righteous before God and they're going by heaven? Or are they usually excited about something else? And it could even be a Christian y thing. Amen? Amen? Like, and I'm with you in the boat. I'm, I'm the guy looking in the mirror and going, Do you really act like you can't die? Do you really live? Like the worst thing that can happen to you is that you go to heaven. Belfour. So I'm in the boat. I know what it's like. That when you come to be a Christian, he'll, God will pay off your credit cards. And, and he, he can help you feel better about yourself too. Pastor on the offering plate, sing the song. Hold on a second. We have a Savior who is a comprehensive, universal salvation. He rescues from sin. He rescues from shame. He rescues from guilt. He rescues from trouble. And He gets you into more trouble. And then He rescues you from that trouble. And then He gets you into even more trouble. And then He rescues you from that trouble. And then He brings up stuff. And then He tears down stuff. And then He rebuilds stuff. And you have a Savior. You have a Savior. And the goal of life is to display the most glory of that Savior until you go to see Him. To have the most displayed salvation possible in your life. And to spread that salvation as much as possible through your life. That's the goal. Amen? Amen? Okay, Michelle's on board here. Come on. 
Amen? The goal of life is to display the glory of the Savior and to spread the salvation of God as much as possible. That's the point. That's why the angels are so excited. It's happening. It's going to happen. He's come. And so they go and they tell the news to these shepherds. Now, the shepherds can sometimes get a bit of a bad rap. And it might be because um, people with PhDs are doing all the Bible studies. And they kind of get, you know, these guys were the poor and they probably weren't very well educated. You don't know that. You don't know that. They could have been geniuses. They could have been mathematical geniuses, some of them, because it often has a lot more about chemicals than anything. Anyhow, they were awake in the middle of the night. Sometimes people say, well, the angel had to go find the shepherds because they were the only ones awake. And it's kind of like nowadays it'd be like, well, you know, the angels are pulling through the McDonald's drive-thru at three in the morning. They're like, what can I get for you, sir? You can get me a party. (laughs) And I don't know if I go with that because God can wake people up. You know, he's not like sleep is sacrosanct or something like that where it's kind of like oh i'd love to have these people come worship jesus but they're in rem right now and so if i wake them up they're going to be cranky pants you know so i don't think that's what's going on i kind of think what's going on is um where where did um where did god find king david shepherding the sheep right samuel shows up there's one more son he's out with the flocks And so when the true David, when the son of David comes into the world, who needs to know about it? The people who are out shepherding the sheep. Because a king is a true shepherd. That's often what they would call kings in the Old Testament. They call them the shepherd. And so here are a bunch of shepherds who have come to worship the true shepherd. And this is their thing. The angels come and first terrify them. Okay, we've got to get used to making people afraid sometimes. Sometimes fear is the first reaction to the best thing that's ever going to happen in your life. And then he says, don't be afraid. We've got to be there to say, don't be afraid. Jesus loves you. And he's come and he's died for you. And the best thing that can ever happen to you is just to give your whole life to Jesus. Your whole life to Jesus. The whole thing. The whole, don't, don't leave anything out. The whole thing. And they say this. Let us go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they go and they see, and they return glorifying and praising God for all that he has, they had heard and seen. Um, Darren was making the point as we got together this morning, if you were here, what was the appropriate response to having a beef wellington put in front of you? <clears throat> to eat it, right? That's the appropriate response. You don't just... I'm sure it smelled great. You don't just take a picture of it and then put it on Facebook and say, I made this when you didn't. You've got to go and eat. And so what I'm trying to say is Jesus came to be received and that when you come to him to receive, the first and most important thing is you get this man who will be your savior for your whole life and all of eternity. And so the appropriate response is to go get him. And the shepherds look at each other and say, we need to go and see this. We need to go check this out. We need to go see this. They don't just say, wow, that was a great message. We've seen angels. We're pretty important. We should start a website. 
we should write a book, 12 Easy Ways to Have Angels Appear and Talk to You in the Night. Number one, be a shepherd. They went and saw. Amen? And so if anything, this Christmas, oh guys, isn't it easy to lose Jesus during Christmas? But shouldn't we just be, be actually growing in our obsession to go and get him? He was given to get God. He was given to get God. The true bread of life. The creator of the world who feeds all his creation in their due time was sent to the house of bread and put in a, a feeding trough so that we would come and get him. Father, I just thank you so much for Jesus given to get God. This is so awesome. And Father, I pray that you would help each one of us to get Jesus, to not quit. What are we waiting for? There's more Christ to be had. 